Fundraising everywhere. 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 You need to add me in there. session today which is looking at the loneliness of the long distance leader so in effect what i'm going to be hopefully doing over the next 20 minutes or so so is sharing with you some of my experiences of leadership over the last 20 years or so and hopefully uh, the lessons that i've been learning will be of some use to you um, so i hope that's what you're here for and let me say a few words about who I am um, as we go into the session. My name's Joe Jenkins, and I've been in the charity sector around 20 years. Uh, 12 of those have been on executive leadership teams. And today, I'm proud to be executive director of Social Impact at the Children's Society. And if you've not heard of us, we're a national charity. The reason we're here is to build a society for children. And our big goal this decade is overturning the damage and decline in children's well-being. And my part in that goal is leading on our social impact. So that's creating social change with children and growing support for the children's society. And in the time that I've been in various different leadership roles, uh, particularly titled position, uh, positional leadership roles, I've been paying a lot of attention to what does it mean to be a leader? What does it ask of me? And uh, what do I bring to leadership? And I'm hoping to share some of my reflections on that in this session. Um, if you'd like to keep in touch with me after today, you can find me on social media at Mr. Joe Jenkins. And I've put a picture there of me and my dog, Axel Rose, just to give you a fair warning. If you follow me, you'll probably see my most popular posts tend to involve Axel more than they involve my words of wisdom. Um, but you're welcome to be there, folks. Um, and you might also be interested in a podcast that I hosted uh, back in 2020, where I had the privilege of spending time with some of the our most inspirational leaders in our sector, chief executives, uh, politicians, business leaders, and each who uh, were sharing their reflections on leadership. Um, and so you can find that at Otmo Podcast. Uh, the session was called On the Mind Of, um, and much of what I'm sharing today also builds on some of the lessons that I learned hearing other leaders reflect on their experiences too. And I'm joining you today um, recording a session a couple of weeks before uh, Leadership Fest in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Week, which feels really fitting for the subject of this session, because the focus of Mental Health Awareness Week has been on loneliness and encouraging people to feel safe to share their experiences of loneliness in order to uh, help others um, through their own experience. And it's certainly something as a leader that I've experienced over the years is why I chose the focus of the session to be loneliness of leadership. Because often the story we tell ourselves around leadership is that it's a big role with little support and that's, that's an inevitable part of the job that you have to carry things on your own. And yet, as I've really lent into uh, what it means to be a leader, I've learned that often the opposite is true. 
and it's breaking down some of the myths and stories that I've heard about leadership and how I've experienced them differently that I hope will be of value to you today. And before I get into the session, um, I'm going to refer to a different kind of sport. Now, please don't log out as soon as you see uh, some snooker. I promise you, I'm not a sport nerd. I'm not going to, I'm not stato. Um, but I wanted to just uh, draw on somebody that inspired me a couple of weeks ago before I was recording this session. And that was the World Championship snooker that took place over the bank holiday weekend. And I find something really, really therapeutic about losing myself in, uh, in, in the snooker. I don't know why, um, but I can happily sit there like I'm gazing into a lava lamp for several hours. And, uh, and find quite a, a, a state of calmness. But actually, the moment that really stood out that I wanted to share with you involved this person, Ronnie O'Sullivan. And it was just after he had won the semi-final over that bank holiday weekend, and he gave a rare interview in which he was asked about his experience of being uh, one of the most successful sports people of, of all time. And what struck me was he talked really openly and honestly about the mental health struggles that he had had as a sports person, as a human being for many, many years. He said that when he was out there um, and, and, and in between games, he was full of self-doubt. He struggled with his confidence. He was constantly believing that he wasn't good enough. Now, this is somebody who had just won the semi-final. He, in fact, went on to win the final for a record seventh time. And he is uh, well regarded widely as the greatest snooker player of all time, quite possibly one of the greatest sports people of all time. And yet he still struggles with those questions of uh, self-confidence, full of self-doubt, which I took as encouraging because uh, as I come into this session here today, I'm, I'm someone myself who who regularly grapples with, with self-doubt, even uh, to have the confidence to sit in front of you and say that I have anything worth saying about leadership. And it's taken me a lot of time to really uh, build my own kind of resilience um, and my own confidence in leadership. And it's that journey that I hope will be relevant to you today. But also that uh, confidence to be able to speak out so that others can understand that we all go through their struggles. We all have some level of imposter syndrome um, and we can all show up and succeed. And what was interesting to me was that Ronnie O'Sullivan talked about how 10 years previous to that weekend, he'd been ready to quit the game because he just didn't believe that he had what it took to be a successful leader in sport. And it was only when he uh, had an intervention from a therapist who's then been alongside him for the 10 years that followed that he really gained the insight into the stories he was telling himself and how to tell better stories about how he shows up, how he works through those doubts, uh, that he was able to really thrive and go on to become the champion that he is today. And so much of what I'm sharing here isn't about techniques and skills. It's really about the stories we tell ourselves as leaders and the way in which we build our resilience and confidence. And so I'm going to just start by sharing some of the stories of leadership that were front of my mind when I first stepped into some of those titled roles, when I became a senior manager, when I joined an executive leadership team. Stories that I tell myself, stories that I hear others tell, um, expectations that I feel are often carried around what it means to be a leader in any organization. And the first of those is this idea that the boss knows best, that the role of a leader is to be the person who is the biggest expert in their field, who never gets things wrong, um, who knows better than anybody else what the right answers are. 
The second story I hear repeatedly is that the more important you are, the busier you should be. Or rather, the busier you are, the more important you must be. This idea that your worth is measured by the number of things you do, the number of hours you work, the places that you're seen, both internally and externally. The third story I've heard many times around personal development is that you need to focus on your weaknesses. So when you're looking at your learning and when you're looking at how you're showing up as a leader, you need to look at where are you really weak? Where are you really struggling? Where are your vulnerabilities? And then work on building those so that you're strong across every facet of your leadership. The fourth story is this idea that the leader needs to put on a brave face, that to show emotion is to show weakness. You need to apologize if you allow some emotion into uh, in, into your leadership and in any organization. That strong leadership looks like someone who um, is always positive and optimistic and never has a bad day. The fifth story is this idea that in leadership, our job is to get everyone to agree. That building successful teams as a leader is about getting people to get on with each other and to agree, to agree with your argument, to win the argument, um, and to get everyone in a place where everyone has the same view and is all pointed in the same direction. And the last is where I started, this idea that it's inevitable that it is lonely at the top. If you're taking on the mantle of leadership, you are accepting that you will be on your own and the burden is one for you to carry. So these stories are pervasive. And yet my experience over the last 10 years or so is that actually there are different stories that you can also tell, which can have different results in how you show up as a leader. So let's just dig into those a little bit more. The first of those is what's your role in being a leader? What's your contribution? And really there are two things that I think I've come to understand. The first of those is that the value you bring isn't in being the person who knows the most. Actually, your ability to learn is far more valuable than your, your ability to know. And your ability to unlock the talent and the expertise of those around you adds more value as a leader than just being the single point of all knowledge. And so the picture here you can see is that of a T-shaped model, which has come to mean for me what I need to bring as a leader and also what I need to build in the people and the culture and the teams around me. And so the T-shaped leader is one who has that trunk of deep knowledge. So there are areas of expertise that are really important and relevant to, to how you show up. But actually just as importantly is that broad piece across the top, that understanding of the bigger picture and how you can then allow those around you to bring their expertise together. And so your job isn't to be the person who has the most expertise in everything you're responsible for. Your job is to help others bring their expertise. But actually just as importantly is knowing that it's okay not to know everything. And I found that so important as a leader to have the confidence to say when you don't know. And actually also to have the confidence to say when you've got something wrong, because all of us will make mistakes. We will all make errors of judgment. We will try things that don't work. And what's really important for me as an individual and for the people around me is that I'm able to say when I don't know and when I've got the judgment wrong. For example, a couple of years ago, I led quite a major restructure and the strategy made good sense. We were acting with best intent to organize people to live on that strategy. But after six or nine months, 
people who were then uh, in the new structure began to identify things that weren't quite working, that some things were harder than they needed to be. And they started to feed that back. And I had to kind of work through that sense of, um, if this isn't working, how do I get it to work? Am I prepared to admit that some of the judgments that I made up front, whilst they were made uh, with the best possible intent, maybe they weren't the right judgments, or maybe we have new information that means we now need to take a different decision. And so I got to the point where I felt actually we did need to change course. But not only did we need to change course, I need to acknowledge that there were some things that haven't worked and that's okay. And to own the fact that we needed to change direction. And the feedback I received afterwards was from colleagues, not only valuing the change of course, but valuing me standing up and saying, you know what, there were some things I didn't get quite right here. I've heard your feedback and I'm going to take that on board to change course. So it's okay to not always be right. That's not your job to always be right. Your job is to help us to get it right. The next hard lesson that I've really learned over the last decade is about how to manage my time and how to value my time and to recognize that my value isn't measured by the number of hours that I work. It's often said that you can't pour from an empty cup. And yet often we feel like we have to keep running on steam in order to be successful as a leader, that we have to deliver on every commitment to um, deliver every job, to do every area of our work, to work seven days a week, 24 hours, and then to work above and beyond that as well. And what I've learned is that if I'm going to be successful as a leader, I need to really protect my time. I need to value my time and I need to recognize that I need different types of time. That means that I need to make sure that my days aren't just packed with tasks, that I carve out space for reflection and for learning, and that I set boundaries around work and leisure and family time, and that I communicate those boundaries. And that's important for me, that I need to be able to put work down. I need to be able to be clear when, when I'm working and when I'm resting. It's also important for those around me, I need to be able to communicate to others that I set boundaries and so it's okay for them to set boundaries as well. And it's only in setting those boundaries that we can really show up as effective leaders. There is a, a, a pervasive myth that the more hours we work, the more we get done. And yet all the evidence demonstrates that actually we peak in terms of our productivity. Um, once we start working more than about 40 hours a week, actually the value of our work goes down to the point where we're better not doing the work at all. And so it's really important as a leader to both invest in that self-care, set clear boundaries around your work and communicate those boundaries so that others can be inspired by that and know it's okay for them to set boundaries too. One of the things that I've uh, really learned to understand about myself is where my strengths are and also how to play to those strengths. I've actually been inspired a lot by the work at the Children's Society with young people. And the way in which we work directly with some of the most vulnerable young people in society is called an asset-based model rather than a deficit-based model. So rather than working with young people on the things they don't have, we work on the strengths that they do and we build out of the assets and the resources that they have available to them. And I've learned that about myself and those I work with, that the way that we show up and the way that we can have the most joy in the work we do is by understanding and playing particularly to those strengths. And so I look in myself and in those around me to understand both my strengths and my skills. Now, my skills are the things I need to be capable of doing 
in my role. And of course, we always need to be building up that toolkit of things we need to be able to do in order to be successful. But my strengths are the things that give me joy. And the thing about the strength, you know when you're playing to a strength, because this is when you feel energized by the work that you're doing. It's when you feel you're in that flow state where things come naturally and you've had a good day when you've been playing to those strengths. Whereas often our weaknesses are the things that take energy away from us. And what I've learned is really important to understand in both the roles that I'm in and the roles I choose to go into is do they allow me to play to my strengths? Not all the time, because there are always going to be things we do that perhaps are uh, less joyful to us, uh, more of a grind, and um, they may need more attention and take energy from us. But if those are the things we do all of the time, then we'll fail to show up as the leader that we need to be. And conversely, when we're in roles with the opportunity to really play to the things that are joyful and energy giving, not only does that mean that we do our best work, but it also keeps us energized to do that work sustainably over time. So rather than as a leader trying to work on your weaknesses, I look at how do I make sure I'm building my toolkit, but also how do I make sure that I'm prioritizing and playing routinely and consistently to my strengths? Because my strengths are the things that only I can bring to the organization. And that's where I really contribute as a leader. Now, this sense of putting on a brave face for me has been uh, a real lesson over the years. Because I was brought up in, in a family and in work cultures where both leaders generally and also men are seen to be people who don't cry, don't show emotion, don't crack, um, and that that is strength. And what I've learned over time is that the opposite is true, that emotion and vulnerability require courage. And it's in that courage that we find our strength, our strength as leaders, both how we support ourselves, but also how we inspire those around us as well. And I think many of us have learned those lessons, particularly over the last two years during the pandemic, where we've had though that unprecedented challenge of lockdown and living with the impacts of social restrictions and, of course, the tragedies that have uh, occurred as a consequence of that as well. And I've certainly found that being able to share with people that I'm not okay all the time, that there are struggles going on that um, people may not know about, that there are some days when I come in and actually it's really hard, um, and there are other days where, where um, I'm really joyful, and those things can sit alongside each other. I found in being vulnerable about my experience, not only is that meant that I can be authentically my whole self at work, but it also again creates permission and space for others to also be authentically them themselves too. And some of the most positive feedback I've received as a leader have been on those occasions in writing, in speaking to people and presenting into the wider organization the struggles that I have and putting myself out there and being vulnerable about the things I'm finding hard, as well as the things that, that uh, come more naturally to me. And that's been a really hard lesson, but an important lesson that in leading with vulnerability, it takes more courage than to hide things away. And it opens up more space for everybody to bring their whole self to work. And another important lesson that I've been learning over time is the importance of diversity diversity of perspective and experience and how that strengthens teams. And what that means is that if we're going to be a really effective team, we need to welcome difference of perspective. And at times we can feel as though what makes a good team is if we're nice and agreeable. But actually what makes a great team is when we can 
disagree reasonably. When we can bring many different perspectives to bear, we will get to better solutions. And I've learned over time that that means that my role isn't trying to get everybody to agree, it's trying to encourage different perspectives. And that means that I need to be able to hear thoughts that are different to my own and to recognize that those perspectives will be as valid or more so than mine. And actually by bringing difference together, we get to better answers. And so what we're not looking for then is consensus. We're looking for consent. We're looking for different views to come together and then consent around the group that we will then move forward with one view, having heard all of the perspectives around the room. And perhaps the last and most important thing to share is this sense of um, what it means to be a leader who isn't on their own. And so you can position yourself as a leader who's out on front, the, the I who's responsible for everything. But actually what I've found is that I'm most effective as a leader when I recognize the people that are around me and that I'm part of something bigger than myself. That I create the space for my team and the people around me, my peers, to build support networks more widely, to lean into others and know that um, putting myself out there and asking for help, again, is a real strength and that I get value from others and they get value from me. And so, of course, there are personal accountabilities as a leader that I carry, but I can share the responsibility. And by being open to engage with others, actually, that's a strength of my leadership rather than a weakness. So let me just remind us then of these stories of leadership, which I think are myths. I think these stories that we've allowed to tell ourselves over time are often the things that hold us back. What I've learned is that there are uh, different stories we can tell that actually allow me to show up differently and also create space for others to lead as well. That I'm here to get it right, not to be right. The boundaries really matter. Our impact is more important than the number of hours we do in a day. That we need to play to our strengths, to the things that give us joy, because that's how we can show up and make the biggest impact as a leader. That it takes courage to share vulnerability, but in that vulnerability is strength for both myself and my own resilience, but also um, inspiring others to be their self at work. As I said, great teams argue more, not less. And what we're aiming for is consent through bringing together different perspectives. And lastly, we're not alone. And asking for help from others is a strength of leadership, not a weakness. So let me leave you with this thought. Brené Brown is a thought leader that I have taken a huge amount of learning from over the years. I would recommend you look more into some of her work. And I'll leave you with this quote. Brené Brown says, let go of who you think you should be in order to be who you are. Be imperfect. Have compassion for yourself. Connection is the result of authenticity. So I hope that this session has helped you think about some of the stories perhaps you tell yourself about leadership and some of the stories you could be telling yourself about leadership and how you can bring your whole self to work and be your best self and recognize that that doesn't mean being perfect. We're not here to be right. We're here to get it right for ourselves and for others. Thank you very much for joining this session. Um, I hope you've got something from it and enjoy the rest of Leadership Best. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.